Thank you for tuning into the HAE Speaks podcast. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of the Hereditary Angioedema Association, a patient advocacy organization serving the needs of the HAE patient and caregiver community. Hi, everyone. My name is Kelsey Nearing. I'll be hosting this episode of the HAE Speaks podcast, and I will be focusing on college. Now, that's a pretty big range of topics that, you know, could come up. So I am going to focus on the application process and picking a school and how that related to my hereditary angioedema and then how the acceptance process and prepping for going away to school and moving out of my parents' house, uh, what considerations I made uh, related to HAE starting college, and then issues that came up with my HAE while I was away at school. So, um, like I said, my name's Kelsey. I'm 25 years old. I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago in 2015. Um, I got my bachelor's in rehabilitation sciences and a minor in disability and human development and then i went on to law school at chicago kent college of law where i graduated in 2021 with my law degree and that i took the bar exam that summer and was admitted to practicing law in the state of illinois in november of 2021 when i went to college i initially went bio pre-med and decided that that wasn't the route that I wanted to take. Uh, I eventually switched my focus to law probably about my third semester in. Uh, I maintained a health focus just because it was something that interested me and always wanted to get into the area of disability and health law. Um, it's something that still interests me. I don't work in that field today, but I imagine that one day uh, my career path will take me in that direction. So I will start off by talking about college applications and picking a school and how HAE impacted that decision and how it impacted my applications. I chose to write about HAE in my personal statement. Most of the colleges that I applied to didn't really have a prompt. Uh, they had a word limit, but I wrote about my experiences with HAE. I wanted the people reading my application to to know about the things that I had been through um, and the experiences that I had. I think that it shows how well-rounded of a person that I could be. And that even though I had these hardships, I was still motivated and determined to get an education. Um, and I thought that that was something that was really important. So I, I used HAE in my personal statements and tailored those personal statements to the school's prompt if they had one. I got some advice from my counselors in high school. You know, some said don't write about it. And some said you should definitely write about it. It just um, kind of depended on the person that I was talking to. But my experience, and I used HAE when I wrote my law school applications too, 
I think when you can show people who are reviewing your application that you've had hardships and you've gone through, you've experienced life and you've experienced a lot of trying situations at such a young age, it really makes you a well-rounded applicant because the the admissions committee is going to know that you know you're committed so don't shy away from writing about your HAE I would be happy to share any of the personal statements that I've written with anyone um, I will give my email to the HAEA if anybody has any questions or wants to um, take a look at the statements that I wrote I'd be happy to share those Along with the application process, um, not just the application itself, but was picking a school. I lived in the far suburbs of Chicago for most of my life, so I was lucky that I had so many of the nation's top universities, and I had a lot of options for colleges close by. Um, my dream school was always UCLA. Um, I didn't end up going to UCLA. Um, it was just too far from home. And at the time, my HAE was pretty well managed, but it was just too far from my parents who were still a big part in my management and my doctor's appointments. So it wasn't a good fit for me to go away. And I came to that determination pretty early on. Um, I also didn't want to have to change doctors if I didn't have to, so I looked at schools that were within, you know, driving distance to my parents' house, um, that if something happened, my parents could be there quickly. Uh, that might not be a consideration that everybody needs or wants to make, um, but it was something that was important to me. I also, um, wanted to pick schools that were in close proximity to major hospitals in the event that I had a bad attack or needed medical treatment. I didn't want to have to drive a half an hour to the closest hospital. I wanted to be close and luckily the school that I went to is in the medical district in Chicago. So there were plenty of hospitals and emergency rooms and doctors available within close walking distance if I needed it. Something else that I looked at in deciding what school to go to is if they had a disability advocacy center and disability resources that were easily accessible to students. UIC had a great, a great program. I was able to meet with a disability counselor um, before I even uh, moved in and get accommodations set up. Uh, they were great. My parents got to meet with them. Their office was easy, easy to access. And I highly recommend, especially if accommodations are something that you have had or had needed in the past and you think you're going to need them in college, um, absolutely check that out in all of the schools that you apply to. Give them a call and see if they'll kind of give you the rundown of how things work at that school. It was good to be proactive about that in the application process um, and all the way through up until I moved in. 
One other thing that I liked to look at when picking a school is their dorm options and seeing what options they had for my medication delivery. For a long time and even till today, still today, my medications, you know, they have to be refrigerated and delivered by a courier. They don't necessarily get shipped. So I wanted to make sure that anywhere that I lived had a way to protect my medications. Like things weren't just getting dropped off at the front door of the dorm in the middle of Chicago. I wanted to make sure that there was a safe way for my medications to get to me um, without issue. So that was something else that I looked at when I was applying to schools. And most schools have um, package drop-off centers, but it's always good to check. So now I'll kind of move on to accepting and then preparing for my move. I accepted the offer from the University of Illinois at Chicago pretty early on. And as soon as I did that, me and my parents uh, started the process of the transition. One of the first things we did was I went and met with the disability counselor at UIC way before the semester started, way before I moved. I got the process of what I needed, what paperwork I needed for accommodations, and got those all set up way before the semester started. So some of the accommodations that I had requested were a single room um, for privacy in the dorms in case I needed in-home nursing to come for it, like in the middle of the night, or if I had to do medication administration, uh, I just needed a private place to do that. And that was something they were able to accommodate. So I had my own dorm room. I didn't share a space with another person. I lived in like a suite style dorm. Um, so we all shared two bathrooms and we had a shared living room, but I didn't have to share um, like a sleeping. I didn't share a room with anybody. We didn't, I didn't have to sleep in the same room as anyone. So that was really nice because there were a couple times where I had to have a nurse come out in the middle of the night. So that was something that I was glad that I considered beforehand. I also uh, requested information about which local uh, which local fire, de fire department and hospital they would transport me from at my dorm and if I was on campus and had an attack. And then I went to those hospitals and dropped off basically ER kits to their doctors and nurses. So that was something that we did to be proactive in case anything happened. Um, I never actually was transported via ambulance anywhere. So that's good, but it's always good to be prepared. A couple other accommodations that I had more in regards to like the education portion of college, not just living. Uh, I had testing accommodations for additional time. I only ever really used those if I was in the middle of an attack. Um, the big one was the attendance accommodation. There were times where I didn't feel well enough to leave my room and I needed to do meds or I just, I was having a bad attack and I couldn't get to class. And a lot of classes in college, especially your upper level, smaller classes have strict attendance requirements. Um, so I didn't want my grades to suffer because of HAE. So that was an accommodation that I requested. Um, and a lot of these accommodations, as far as the educational part goes, I also had in high school. So 
having all that documented was really helpful. Um, so then I did all that. Uh, we did all the prep work. And then eventually I, um, I moved and I started college. I always liked to introduce myself to teachers, um, professors, TAs in my smaller classes, especially um, the ones that took regular attendance. I would email um, my professor or the TA to make sure that they had my accommodations and information ahead of time. It's always good to be proactive with stuff like that, um, especially at a bigger university. It's easy for paperwork to get lost and for people to not get messages, so it's always good to check in towards the beginning of the semester so that the professor or the TA can kind of put a face with a name. You don't really have to tell them, like, hey, this is my medical issue if you're uncomfortable with it, but definitely just check in and make sure that they have your accommodations so that if you have to call into class or email into class and if they don't have that information, they're not going to know what you're talking about. Um, it'll just save you some time and stress in the long run. Um, I always tried to make at least one friend in class or find somebody that I was familiar with in case I had to miss class um, so I could get notes from them. Um, there were a couple classes where I did not make those friends or have those relationships. And if I missed a class... Um, I had to go directly to the professor for the lecture. So it's always just more comfortable getting notes from friends if you can. Something else that I did was I explained HAE to my roommates um, so that they knew what was going on, especially if I had a nurse there or if I was doing medication or if they noticed something was wrong. Um, they knew what to do, what to tell emergency medical personnel if I had an attack that warranted calling 911. Uh, it can be uncomfortable, especially when you're in a new environment, but I don't think I've ever had anybody react poorly to my HAE or be uncomfortable with it. So just having those conversations up front um, can alleviate some stress in the long run. Something else I did when I first moved uh, away to college was I joined some groups on campus that are focused in the disability and medical space. I made friends that were in similar situations to me. Uh, those were really invaluable relationships. I met, um, I met a girl my second semester that had had a stroke a couple of years ago. Um, and we're still really good friends and we bond over, you know, we bond over our experiences in the medical field and it was helpful. Um, we took classes together. If she had to miss, I would send her my notes. If I had to miss, vice versa. So that was really helpful. It makes you feel more comfortable, especially when you're in a new environment that's unfamiliar. Um, now I'm going to talk about some of the issues that came up while I was at college, just to kind of give you an idea of things that might come up um, and how I handled them. So one example was I had a professor who didn't understand my attendance accommodation. I had missed a class where she had given a pop quiz 
And luckily in that class, like your lowest three quiz grades were basically erased. So I missed that class. She gave a quiz. I emailed her. I said, I would like to retake the quiz. And she was like, oh, no, it's fine. It'll just be a zero. And it'll get, you know, it'll drop off as one of your lowest grades. Well, that kind of made me uncomfortable because I had the attendance accommodation. So I had to get in touch with the Disability Advocacy Center. And then they had to reach out to the professor. She was really understanding. She um, apologized for the mix-up. I was eventually allowed to retake the quiz. A lot of times, professors, especially professors who are there for research, not necessarily teaching, they don't really understand things until you explain it to them. So it's really important for you to kind of take the reins and tell people like, no, this is, you know, this is how HAE works. This is something that I've been experiencing for you know, however long, um, most of my life. And I have these accommodations in place and I'm asking to use them. So you just have to be an advocate for yourself and it can be uncomfortable, but it gets easier with time. That's, I guess that's what I'll say. Another issue I had was qualifying for uh, college athletics. Now, I don't know what this is like at other universities, but I had to go through, I had to go through a physical. I was on the dance team at UIC and I was disqualified from performing for a little bit of time um, because of my HAE. And I didn't know that that was something that would come up. Um, I didn't think it was going to be an issue, but I did have to get cleared by UIC's team doctor, um, who ended up having to work closely with my doctor and other doctors at the university in order to come up with a plan specifically for me and how my participation in the team would um, impact the university if something were to happen to me while I was at practice or at a game. I didn't end up being on the UIC dance team for too long. I kind of switched my focus to academics. It was a lot, but don't let that deter you. Just be prepared. But there's always intramural teams um, and more casual things that you can do that are just as fun um, and give you that same same kind of, you know, athletic activity. Um, another thing that I wish that I had done better was making sure I had everything well documented in college in case I went on to graduate school. I did not anticipate getting to law school and having so much pushback for my accommodations uh, because I didn't have all the paperwork from UIC, from the Disability Advocacy Center that had my accommodations and plans. So that took a lot of coordinating. Um, I tried not to use too many of my accommodations in law school. At this point, I was way, way better controlled with medication and I wasn't having very many attacks. But just make sure that, you know, if you're in high school now, you know, make sure you're keeping, keeping everything documented and document things through college um, so that if you do go on to law school and or any type of graduate school or even in your career um, it's always good to have a paper trail and 
it'll just help you in the long run. Um, well, that's really all I have to talk about. So thank you for listening. I will make sure that I give my email to the HAEA if anybody has any questions or needs any help or anything like that. Um, you can feel free to send me an email. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope everybody is staying warm this winter. I know it is really cold here in Illinois, but thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the HAE Speaks podcast. I would like to send a huge thank you to the HAEA, as well as BioCrist Pharmaceuticals, Calvista Pharmaceuticals, and Takeda for sponsoring the 2023 HAE Speaks podcast series. I would also like to thank Michael G for the music and Michael C for the podcast editing. Please click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you can be notified when a new podcast becomes available. For more information about the HAE Speaks podcast, or if you would like to connect with the HAE community and gather more information about HAE, please visit haea.org. Also, you can follow the HAEA on social media within Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at HAEA. Also, check out the HAEA youth-created and produced podcast series called Beyond HAE. Thank you again for listening to the HAE Speaks podcast. Have a great day.